This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis, and happy Tuesday. You are listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Uh, Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, and I am your host, Anna Thompson, otherwise known as AT, and I have a frequent flyer as a co-host with me today. Say hello. Hello. Hi, this is Laura Beth. Hi, Laura Beth. So Laura Beth uh, let me know that Innovate Memphis was in our building, which I had somehow uh, not realized yet. So we invited Jessica to come on down. She is the new executive director up at Innovate Memphis. Mm -hmm. They're on the fourth floor, and I know they are... uh, Glad to hear that our construction's about over with. Oh, I'm so sure. Yes. And that we're all back in office now and that, yes, that they don't have to hear any of that. Banging around. Yes. Um, And then we also have Shandell Ryan, the COO of the city of Memphis. And she is also on our board. She is a board member of Innovate Memphis and she's a board member at New Memphis. And so she is passionate about all things. How is she? How is she so active in the community? With I don't her know how job? she does uh, her day job. <laughs> period, because it's uh, it's incredibly. I, I can't. She wears so many hats, spins so many plates. Whatever it is, all, whatever metaphor illustration you would like to use, she's a very busy woman, and yet she makes time to give back in so many different right. ways. And she's passionate about both of our organizations, which really just makes it fun to chat yeah. with her to see kind of the synergy. For sure, it's a and privilege they, for sure. They also happen to both be New Memphis program mm-hmm. alumni. Shandell is an LDI alum as well as a board member, and Jessica is a fellows alum. So we are very excited to hear their takes on our leadership development programs. And we have a very full conversation for you, dear listeners. So one quick announcement is that TEDx Memphis will be held at Crosstown Theater on February 11th. This year's theme is Truth or Dare. You can learn more at tedx-memphis.com. For more information, we have a stacked lineup and we are very excited about it. So I see you there or be square, basically. Um, And if you like what you hear every week on this radio show and podcast, please give us a five-star rating, write us a glowing review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and most importantly, subscribe to never miss an episode. Um, And you can also send us reviews if you like what you hear about a particularly great episode at info at newmemphis.org. We would love to hear from you. So without further ado, here is Laura Beth and my conversation with Shandell Ryan, COO of City of Memphis, and Jessica Lotz, Executive Director at Innovate Memphis. Welcome, Jessica and Shandell. How are you today? I'm doing well. So glad to be here with you. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yay. Okay. Well, um, I will jump right in and get this started. Jessica, will you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Um, Are you a native Memphian? I am. I grew up in Bartlett, if that counts. Yes, it does. Um, But I uh, grew up, went to Bartlett High School, because if you're from here, you know, the first important thing is to tell people what high school you're from. Absolutely. Um, But I also went to Rhodes College for undergrad and got my degree in uh, anthropology and sociology, really enjoyed that. Uh, Then I uh, went to grad school at Duke University and have a master's in public policy. And so, you know, you start with the liberal arts, um, really figuring out what you care about and why you're passionate about it. And for me, that's really been 
in um, you know, city policy and service delivery and poverty alleviation. And then I think having the public policy background has really helped me a lot with just how do you distill that into some um, you know pragmatic, actionable <laughs> ways to just, you know, think, well, for me, you know, I think there's a role for lots of different people to play different things. You don't always have to be the, the little pragmatic person, but um, that fits well with, with my style and my skill set. Um, so after that, I came back to Memphis and worked for our school district, first Memphis City and then Shelby County for over 11 years. And I spent about half of that time being our director of research and performance management. And so now I've been at Innovate Memphis since August of 2022. Uh, so I know a lot more than I did, but I still have a lot to learn. Oh, yay. How fun. I, I didn't realize you'd been. Yeah. Okay. So exciting. Okay. So Shandell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I too am a native of Memphis and uh, I grew up in the uh, Binghamton and Frazier areas actually to answer the high school question I went to East High School yes um, and um, I also went to the University of Memphis for law school so b before I went to law school uh, I went to Chattanooga UT Chattanooga um, where I received my undergraduate degree in merchandising then came back here and um, Went to law school, graduated 2001 from the University of Memphis. That was when um, we were still on the campus, so I didn't get to be a part of the new school, which is beautiful. Yes, but it's I stunning, like to downtown. claim it as yes. if I was there. So <laughs> well, you're an alum, so it's yours now. I, it is mine now. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, and I've been uh, just to skip forward to my city experience. I've been with the city for. Uh, 18 years. I left for a couple of years and worked in private industry for a while and came back. And uh, so now I'm serving as the COO for the city of Memphis. And that started actually Monday. So you're you're catching me on day three. Everything is still in place. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. No pressure. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, well. <laughs> That's awesome. Whatever later. Yes. Excited to be here. Excited to be a part of uh, the city of Memphis and excited to be a part of both uh, New Memphis and uh, Innovate Memphis organizations. I think you guys do great work and and um, I'm just a fan of you all. Well, thank you. That's so kind. Yeah, I feel like, like you're mis slightly biased because you're a board <laughs> member of both, but we welcome your expertise in all things. So we are very grateful and appreciative to have you and your insights. I think awesome. you just have good taste in boards. Yes, <laughs> obviously. That, that's very all true. that says. Yes. Um, so, Jessica, for those who may not be quite sure or know exactly what Innovate Memphis does. Can you kind of break it down for us? Sure. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, when I'm talking to people in the elevator, in the hall, uh, Innovate Memphis really serves as an incubator and almost has kind of a research and development function for both city government and nonprofits. So there's a lot of times, and, you know, I can relate coming from a, a public uh, office myself where, uh, you know, city government staff don't always have time to try something brand new. And especially if it doesn't work, you know, you don't want to take a ton of risk and have the uh, the services that you are responsible for suffer as you're trying something out new. And so a lot of times uh, we'll work with our city government partners and they will say, you know, here's a, a problem that we can't quite either wrap our head around and we want you to find some new ideas for us to test out. Or we have an idea, but we just don't have the bandwidth ourselves to pull people away from other things and test it 
it, can you? And so we'll take that risk in case it fails. Um, but we're really thoughtful about starting with really deeply researching the problem. And that's both from a, a big data standpoint, but also a qualitative standpoint of understanding the service provider's perspective, the constituent's perspective. And um, then we collaborate with those groups and from experts that we can bring in for different types of projects. Uh, from there, then we actually implement. So that's a little bit different from having a consulting type of approach. So we're not just kind of designing a strategy and then handing it to somebody to try out. We will actually take on that implementation capacity ourselves and uh, be the incubator. Um, and then, you know, most importantly, we will test it, we'll evaluate it, figure out if and how well it works or what parts of it do and what we need to change. And then in where we see evidence of success, we work really hard to try and sustain that. So we are trying to incubate it and then we try to give it back to either a city office that's going to be responsible for continuing with that changed process or strategy. Um, or in, in some cases, we've actually um, helped spin up programs with uh, other nonprofits that are still taking those on today. Ooh, I have so many questions. Okay. So it's very unique to not only be a part of the consulting, but also the implementation and sustainability, like sustaining it and not yep. just being like, okay, great, this worked. Here you go. So what is like an average time frame, or does it vary from project to project with how often Innovate Memphis would be involved? Yeah, I'd say it really depends on the, the nature of the project. And I can give you a few different okay. examples and sort of how they have played out. Sure. Um, <laughs> I love story time. <laughs> uh, great. Well, so we have um, a few early ones that I think a lot of Memphians, if you've been around for a little while, might be familiar with. Um, and this was back actually when Innovate Memphis was part of the city government. It was before it became its own nonprofit profit um, under Mayor Wharton, the mayor's innovation delivery team. So one of the big initiatives early on was around economic and community development and trying to reactivate areas of the city where, um, you know, they'd fallen into disrepair or just a lot of people had kind of moved out. Um, so there's, you know, these MemFix and MemShop prop, uh, projects that happened around that time. Uh, one was in the Broad Avenue area. The other was in the Edge District. And the idea was almost this pop-up, you know, where um, we're going to take over a street for about a month and have businesses and entrepreneurs come and uh, design storefronts, make them really exciting, have some programming and events, and just show people here's what's possible. So if we all really collectively decide we want to reinvest and build more of an economic and commercial presence here again, then it really could reactivate this whole community. So those things happened in, I think, 2012 and 2013. And then now we all know that Broad Avenue and The Edge are booming. Yes. And so in that kind of way, the sustainability happened in, in the sense of we're showing you what's possible. Now we can get people to kind of collectively buy in and all buy in at the same time so that it doesn't fail. And then that really took off, I think, from a, a private public partnership of the city, making sure the conditions were right for uh, business owners and residents to be able to reinvest. Uh, but then after that, it's kind of become its own organic thing that's not managed in any kind of different way from a, a government perspective. So that's one example. But then there's also these kind of smaller process improvements or resources or tools that we've built. Um, so an example there was that the parks office wanted to move all of their reservations to an online system instead of people needing to call in and having a staff member write it with pen and paper. Okay, <laughs> this person's going to yeah. you know, reserve this park for this time on this day. Um, so things like that, that you know, we could bring in the technical expertise and build the tool, but then we could pretty easily pass it back to the park system and then the staff can manage that and it saves them a lot of time. So that's you know kind of a spectrum 
spectrum of how those different things could work. Um, a couple others I can quickly highlight are um, 901 Block Squad started out as a city innovation project, and now that's its own independent nonprofit. So it's a mentoring program for youth and really trying to interrupt gun violence and um, plug youth in particular into you know really good activities to, to stay engaged and, um, and move forward that way. Um, and then I guess probably the most recent one that we've done is around the EMS Health Navigator Program. Uh, that's really one of my favorites, and I could talk a lot. I, I know. Say, yeah, I feel like you like lit up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can see some... Um, uh, so for our fellows, as you know, like has our capacity building projects for nonprofits, and we select eight to 10 nonprofits a year mm -hmm. for these fellows to work on um, and bring their own expertise to whatever problem they're trying to solve for the nonprofits. I feel like I can see some of these in our future. Absolutely. And uh, we are, we've been working with fellows this year. Oh, good. I did know that. I did oh, know okay. that because my brother was on the, um, was on the, uh, that project. <laughs> oh, well, that's fun. This classic case of me being like, I'm just here to market it. <laughs> no, but Somebody that's awesome. That's really exciting. I love hearing all the variations. And also the exciting part to me is the community buy-in and how you kind of are getting on the ground floor of things and you have the hard part to be frank. I mean, you're the, you're the pioneer. You're the one that's like going out first. And that's the hardest part is to say, Hey, I'm doing this cool thing. Like, look at what this can be. Follow me <laughs> and see it too. And so that is to be commended on its own because that's a hard, a hard place to be in, but a very exciting place to be in as well. And just from the few examples you've already listed, it's, amazing to see what has happened in our city because of that, because of you stepping in and kind of bridging those gaps, because Innovate Memphis is there and can provide those resources and support. For sure. And um, I guess for anybody listening that has been involved, obviously, it's the royal we because um, I, I have not been in place when all you these personally. great things have happened. <laughs> yes. So I'm telling you as a fangirl, um, all of the great things that Innovate's done to this point, for sure, with the city, of course. Um, we definitely wouldn't be able to have nearly the success that, that we've had collectively if it wasn't for this great partnership. Can you talk to me a little bit about the decision to make it its own nonprofit and when that happened to kind of kind of keep the partnership uh, happy, but to also see the need that it needed to be its own entity as well. Um, sure. I mean, you actually might have a little more uh, background, Shandell, from a city perspective. I, I, you might not have been working on this at the time, were you? I was not yeah. um, in place at the time that that happened. Um, I can say, however, um, we saw the need well under Strickland's administration for there to be a permanent uh, facing part of the team on the city government side. So um, part of what uh, the Innovate team did, or it was called the um, Mayor's Innovation Team, right, mm -hmm. at the time did was to help set up a team internal to city government um, and then to expand itself outside of city government to not only support um, the government, but then other local nonprofits as a part of that transition. So it was a way to stand up, you know, the organization from inside and out. And I think that it's been a great partnership and a great marriage. Um, and we have benefited tremendously as a city from um, those two entities uh, working a little bit in conjunction with um, each other. 
Yeah. And I would say having this shift has also helped us um, in terms of just what we think of as our reach and our level of impact, uh, because in addition to supporting the city, we've really grown in working with other nonprofits. And I think because we have this unique approach of being an incubator and not trying to be long-term dedicated content experts or service providers in any one area. Uh, what I've found is it's kind of been beneficial to help coordinate and collaborate across different nonprofits that might all be trying to solve the same problem. And we can be sort of that third party that's like, you know, we're not trying to implement what you're implementing long-term and, and compete with you or anything, but, you know, we can um, serve as, as a coordinator and help just strategically think about how to bring all the different partners together and, and the, um, the public and nonprofit partnership too. It's really interesting to uh, replicate what was done with city government in, in a way. So um, from the standpoint of, you know, we, we now have our um, office of data management um, where we uh, do a bit more of uh, metrics and gathering of data and information and, and looking at ways to improve. And that was sparked by our relationship with uh, Innovate Memphis. But to have that sort of ability to replicate that type of um, sparking, so to speak, in yeah. other organizations, I think is a just a great opportunity for city proper. Um, so I'm familiar with some of the like, uh, with Susan and like mm -hmm. the civic Commons stuff that she had helped with. And then um, Stephen Willoughby, I believe, was on our Celebrate, Celebrate What's, What's Right, right uh -huh. panel. Or what, um, it was a what the tech, it was a technology yes, it was a tech lunch. Yeah. yeah. So I'm intrigued as to how a small team like yours can have as much knowledge as they do. Is that a silly question? <laughs> like, I mean, to be able to <laughs> problem solve for that many yeah. Uh, like problems across the spectrum is phenomenal. So yeah, well, I think it, it's um, it's not a bad question at all. Um, it really relies on a couple of things. I think you know we really look for that Swiss Army knife kind of employee that just likes something new and exciting. Uh, they're willing to learn, and sometimes when you have that beginner's mind of like I really don't know a lot about this. Yeah, you know, the dumb questions you have to ask are ones that sometimes the person that's been doing the service for 20 years is taken for granted. And so sometimes because you're you're learning it as you go in a way or you're thinking a little outside of the box, um, you have a different type of mindset to contribute. And it can still be anchored by that expert <laughs> that says, yes, <laughs> OK, the couple of things that you've mentioned we've tried and here's why they did not work. So let's try something else. So that's that's really valuable for us, of course. But we also partner with a lot of people. So we have a pretty small lean team because we know that on each project we're probably going to bring in some experts and some partners and contractors to help us with different aspects of it so I think having that healthy balance this is something I definitely learned a lot during my my fellowship during New Memphis Institute is be really self-aware about your limitations of what you know and what you can do and play to your strengths but don't ever be afraid to bring in other people that know different things and can push your thinking and have a different approach to each problem really helps us a lot and so we, we spin in and out and we have a great bullpen of experts uh, that work with us on all kinds of things, but they're, they're kind of come in and out on different projects. Um, so I'm curious what makes Innovate Memphis unique to other organizations in other cities that might, was this a, a job function that might function within city government in other cities, or is it typically taken on by a third party, or does it just simply not exist in a lot of other cities? Ah, well, we can brag that we were among the first, I think, to have a formal innovation function. And I think, Chandel, do you want to kind of lead off and talk about Because I think 
the reason that we can be successful now is really because of the groundwork that the city laid um, over these past two mayoral administrations. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Memphis was one of the first uh, five cities that was uh, seated by Bloomberg to develop the uh, mayor's innovation delivery team. Uh, we've been doing this a lot longer than uh, uh, most people or most organizations, I guess I should say. And uh, from that seed, we've been able to create an environment for making data-driven decisions. And that's been really important, um, especially for the uh, Strickland administration. Um, so much so that we've received a silver designation uh, by What Works Cities in 2019. And also, um, and there were only other six other cities that received that in 2019. Ooh, I feel so, like that's very important to say. It's very not, important. It, not like it was hundreds of cities or anything. Six we're other cities. The tippy top. Yes. So, so that was amazing for us. Um, and it acknowledges our performance management and data-driven uh, approach. Um, and we continue to make progress in this space. Um, by uh, being brilliant at the basics. And for us, that means that we collect data, we identify areas to improve, we measure progress, and we share the results with the public. And uh, to highlight that for a moment, um, it is a public-facing element that we're most proud of because it helps us to create trust with the uh, public. And with this continued work, we also received an upgraded um, designation from What Work Cities from uh, silver to gold. <gasps> Yes, in 2021 and in 2022, I believe. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank I, you. I love to step up mm-hmm. from silver to gold. We're moving on up the podium. I love it. I'd <laughs> <laughs> love to hear it. But I also think what you said, too, about um, sharing the information with the public is something that's so critical. And it does build that trust. It builds that communication. It builds all of that. It makes it feel really warm and fuzzy, frankly, um, just from an average resident and citizen perspective, it makes it feel like, wow, like you're not, it's not, you're not trying to make it seem sugarcoated in any way. You're actually just saying, these are the facts. This is what we're doing. This is how we're going to move that needle in whatever it is, whatever project you're working on, which builds passion and enthusiasm among the community. So I can see why buy-in is natural. It's a natural next step. Yeah, that's so true. If you're not honest with yourself, then, you know, there's no way you can improve. So it's it's very key for us to um, be honest with where we are uh, as a baseline, right. because we know that there is innovation that happens there. There There is progress that can happen there. And that's, that is an impact to someone's uh, quality of life. So we want to find places where we can make those kinds of improvements. Um, as someone who is not super great with data, I know the importance of it, but it's not my favorite thing to collect it. I'm curious how y'all gather data and does some of that come from the experts, like the organizations you're already working with? Do y'all do your own research and have best practice for that? Or how does that kind of play itself out? I'm sure you know, case by case basis, but just generally speaking. Yeah, well, I could start by bragging on the city for sure, uh, because, you know, one of the things that Mayor Strickland leads and the COO also directs is a monthly performance management meeting. And it's really impressive because every single department there has a set of key performance indicators that they're looking at. And they have a dashboard that the leader of the performance management team walks through. And I mean, if you want to know anything about any city service, it's it's being measured. And uh, the mayor's really committed to it, and he's very invested. And um, I think one other thing that's really great is just uh, I think it's a very healthy culture of how they talk about data. Um, it's not 
a place where everybody just spends the whole time saying, well, this number's wrong and we didn't measure it right. And sometimes that will happen. That's just natural with uh, human beings capturing data and, <laughs> and different systems that, you know, sometimes something is skewed, but we understand the context for why. Um, but, you know, people celebrate, people talk across departments and say, well, you know, I noticed that, that you've had trouble getting this indicator up to where you want it like how can we help like i don't know the answer yet but you know maybe animal services can help with code enforcement on this thing or maybe um you know mata and um you know our youth engagement program can work together to get more more students to this after school program and it's just a really neat thing to see i kind of wish in a way that the public could have more access to something like that because i know for me it gave me a lot of civic pride to just get to observe and be a part of so um, i don't know if you wanted to add anything about just how you guys collect data or the the process to get good at it because I think you've made a lot of strides especially in the last decade probably and just collecting more information but all in the service of improving service and not in just like a a data hoarding way (laughs) exactly yeah um the um the performance management team has been critical on that front to your point um they uh they helped they help to gather the information. They will come and meet with individual departments, help us figure out the best ways to collect data so that it's clean, so that we aren't having these issues with, uh, I don't know if that data is correct or not. Um, and the, the spirit of collaboration is so amazing in the room. Uh, just to piggyback off of, of what you said, number one, it's really good. You walk in the room and you see the mayor. He's there every month. He's listening to the data, asking questions, but then you also have your other city departments there uh, listening to, you know, your presentation of information. And we actually did just this last month. It's interesting that you brought up the animal services because um, uh, I will say the group uh, violence intervention team, uh, they were there presenting some of their metrics that they're working on. And uh, the director of animal services said, what can I do to help you to get this information out? I know you're looking for ways to um, advertise more or better, you know, the offerings that the GVIP program has, what can I do as a animal services director to help you on that front? And that was just a testament to what happens when you bring people in the same room and you talk about the data, you talk about the pure, hardcore numbers and your needs and your struggles. And it's not a a punitive thing, but it is more... um, it is more of a, a collaboration. And sometimes it will spark a little bit of competition, healthy competition, yes. mind you. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's good to, you know, see uh, sometimes we're looking at um, our accounts payable performance and um, the division that was number one mm-hmm. that month. That, you know, the one who was number one last month, they're like, wait a minute, I would be number one again next month. So that kind of healthy competition is just great for the team and it's great for the citizens. I love it. Iron sharpens iron for sure. Um, So switching gears a little bit, talking about the nuts and bolts of data. um, What are some of the factors that in both in either of your opinions that determines how to transform a good idea into a practical, sustainable kind of reality? And do you ever have people that bring you projects and you're like, this just, it just won't work. (laughs) How do I let them down gently? (laughs) (laughs) He's just not that into you. It's just not going to work. Sure. You know, and and I think that there's a lot of ideas that are great, but the, there's also like a right time. Um, You know, I I know I've I've run up against that many times over the course of my career where some, and probably you guys too, you've had that where you're like, 
you know, somebody talked about this problem six months ago and I said, what if we did this and, and nobody listened? And then now six months later, they're finally ready to listen to me. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes I, so that's kind of to me, you know, a, a motto that I have is like, sometimes you have the answer ready, but you have to wait for somebody to ask the question. So you have to Ooh, wait until like there's a readiness for it. And so we have, you know, internal rubrics that um, help us just assess, like, do we think we're ready from our capacity standpoint to take this on? And do we have the network of expertise and technical needs that we would need to be successful? Um, but also is the, is the person, the office, the nonprofit that we're serving, do they seem ready? Are they, um, you know, really, really willing to change right now? Do they have a clear sustainability owner in mind at the end of this or not? Um, So those are things that we assess. But I think in general, you know, the other things that we try to do to to make sure we set up an innovation idea for success is really doing a lot of deep research on the front end to really understand the problem and drill down and identify lots of different root causes and figure out which of these is really the most actionable. Um, And then I think from our standpoint, too, you know, a lot of times, especially because you want to do a lot of good collaboration and engagement. You want to test early on with the constituents. You know, we, we might have a great idea to how to change the service, but if no constituent, no Memphian wants to see it happen, it's not very popular, then we need to think of a different way to either communicate it or we need to address what their underlying concern is for why that won't work. Um, so even if something worked in another city, you know, that's something that we benefit from a lot as an innovation team because there's a big network now of innovation offices throughout the, the country and internationally too. So we can find all those ideas, but then we have to figure out what's the Memphis context for this. Um, and then, you know, lastly, my favorite part of it that I think I kind of let off with a little bit with uh, my, my policy and um you know, sociology background is I, I like the stuff that's kind of like the little problems on the margins. You know, there's some version of this that we can narrow down, make a really good pilot, demonstrate whether it works, and then figure out how to scale it instead of trying to, you know, eat the whole elephant in one bite, right? Um, and so a lot of times I think the ways that we've, we've really been able to, to test things out in a good way is, you know, what's, what's the community that would stand most to benefit from something like this? And, um, you know, who are the assets and the, the people that can help make it happen, especially when we talk about sustainability. And so if we test it in those kinds of conditions, then we can learn a lot before we really try to to scale how you solve the big problem out of that. That's really good advice, honestly, for any um, individual or organization listening to this is, you know, remember that you might have the answer, but someone just needs to ask the question um, about the timing for it, but also about recognizing your own team's needs and capacity understanding root causes, and then making sure that you have small steps to not, I feel like sometimes our eyes are bigger than our stomachs in that way. And we're like, we want it, we want it all. And we want it right now. And we want to, you know, totally flip this issue on its head and make, you know, I don't want incremental growth. I want massive growth Mm -hmm. right now overnight. And so, um, I can see that that would be hard to kind of be like, it has to all be lined up the right way. Everything has to be the right time, the right place, the right players, the right people in the right seats, yeah. which is a great thing, but also some can be sometimes, I guess, a frustrating thing if it's not the right timing. Yeah, but we have that catalog of ideas and, <laughs> and problems we can always draw on when there's a, a spare moment, you know, because I, I think the, the problems and the, the solutions, like it's cyclical. There's just certain things that you know 
are eventually going to impact every city and that we all want to see be better. And so it, it's always good to just have that catalog um, because they'll, they'll come back up and you'll, you'll be ready, but you might learn more things, you know, in between and have a better starting idea. And you might have somebody new in place or in a new leadership role that's ready to, to help with that sustainability part later on. So, um, so we don't, we don't um, have a graveyard of idea. We have a, a freezer of ideas that, that we can thaw out sometimes. <laughs> I love that too. That is cool. Mm-hmm. I also like the um, the uh, psychology of starting with a pilot because sometimes people don't know what they want until they see it in operation mm-hmm. or don't realize that they could want it until they see it working really well somewhere else. And um, so that I think maybe speaks a bit to sustainability as well because you're not forcing it on me. I'm, I'm sort of kind of peeking at it and saying, wait a minute, I want that too. And that's another way to gain interest, I think, in um, a particular uh, solution, uh, much like you did with, uh, or Innovate did with the um, Broad Street Project. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you sparked interest like, oh, well, uh, well, I can do something over on, on Broad Street. Uh, so I think that speaks to sustainability a bit as well. And I'm sure you uncover a lot of challenges that um, you might face across other projects. And that can help, uh, you know, just figure out solutions for those challenges and uh, a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, Really quick, if you are just now tuning in and listening to us, we are chatting with Jessica Lotz, Executive Director at Innovate Memphis, and Shandell Ryan, the COO at City of Memphis. And... I'm curious when you said testing it all. So what does that look like? How do how can I become a, a focus group member for one of these <laughs> things? Because I would love to. I mean, I'm sure I don't. You know, you have to find the right mix of people, the right who meet, meet the right criteria, and all sorts of things. But I'm so intrigued by this. I would like love to be a focus group volunteer and like everything for our city because I am so passionate about our city and making sure that we are moving in the right direction. And so I'm just super intrigued and curious by all of this. But <laughs> yeah, du- duly noted because uh, <laughs> since you're a neighbor, we can uh, come bring you into some focus groups. We don't have any space on your board. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would say for for those listening, you know, an easy way to get in contact with us if you're just interested in you know if there's mailing lists or there's particular issues or ideas you have that you're passionate about you can always email us uh, we have an info at innovatememphis.com email account and i i monitor that regularly so i promise you somebody is <laughs> so address it to jessica <laughs> you can. straight to the you top <laughs> Yes. Um, but yeah, that's a good way to just say, Hey, I want to get involved or, you know, here's generally what I'm interested in. And, and that can also go for if you have skills and things that you might either want to volunteer, you might want to contract with us or work with us someday. Um, you know, all of that's welcome because I think with this project portfolio based model, you just never know who you might need for what. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have, um, you know, I think by, by the nature of having lots of partnerships and having this kind of part governmental, part nonprofit kind of network of um, supporters and collaborators. We we use those networks all the time, you know, try to get different citizens input on things. And uh, in fact, something that, that uh, Chief Ryan and I are working together on is about, um, you know, really trying to address some of our legal dumping challenges in the city where people might uh, just, you know, 
put tires on a property that's not theirs and then drive off, or they might put something at the curb that really shouldn't be there. And so there's things like that too, where we want to you know, have a good sample across the city. We're tracking geographically uh, how many responses we're getting in different areas and trying to make sure we have really good equitable distribution across town. But um, it gets to things like the education piece, because a lot of it can be, I just don't know a lot of the regulations and I'm not sure where to look to figure out what I'm allowed to put on my curb or how to dispose of other types of things or what's permitted and not permitted. But then there's also the, what would you think of if we changed the service in this way? And here's some ideas we have and just seeing levels of support and how those might vary for different constituent groups and parts of town um, to figure out what's going to be, you know, the best solution forward. Um, so we're excited about getting some of that work off the ground and, but it really starts there, you know, to, to get to that root cause and say how much of this is about communication, how much of it is about code enforcement, if somebody is continually doing this, or how much is about just like the, the hardship or inconvenience of trying to get waste to the right place. So true. I feel like we ran into that when I worked at AutoZone and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, you can't put oil there, but where can you put it? So I was like, mm, yeah. I don't know. And same like whenever I paint my room, I'm like, oh, okay, well. Now where do I put the paint? Like, <laughs> I know it doesn't go here or here, but mm -hmm. where does it go? Mm -hmm. I know all the places it doesn't go. But then I was also laughing to myself mm -hmm. whenever you said like implementing stuff and seeing if people were like, if people like kind of approved of the solution. And I was like, oh, people have all kinds of feelings when you start changing around <laughs> their, the way they do their daily life. And so it's funny if somebody's like, oh, it's fine. And then you change trash yep. day and they're like, this is unacceptable <laughs> all exactly. of a sudden. It's Man. just really funny. It'd be hard to, you know, I, I think in the school system, we saw that a lot too, of things that you knew it was probably the right thing to do, but you knew you weren't going to make everybody happy, you know, because teachers might feel one way and parents might feel another way and the principals might feel a, a totally different way. Um, but it, sometimes it helps you maybe with like your messaging. So we know these are going to be the concerns when we decide to, to shift to this. So one, how do we educate people on this is why we did it and why we think it's ultimately going to be better. But two, we know this is going to cause some confusion and con some concern and here's how to deal with that you know the growing pains of life yes the only thing constant is change dear listener <laughs> exactly and, and another thing that innovate is helping us to do in this space is um to understand the mindset of the um uh, of the resident uh, what is what is making uh what is the root cause of why uh we're seeing illegal dumping in a lot more places than we're used to and i know that it's a it's a, a national trend of um this behavior but um it helps us to dive a little bit more into the mindset of you know the the everyday uh citizen on um well what what are your triggers or what what is causing um you to um to to what is causing what is causing this i guess this um inability to uh, locate the right place for yeah. whatever the item is because uh, there is some uh, trash that is complicated on how to dispose of it Th that that happens um, and uh, we've got uh, two different departments that we're dealing with so that's another complexity so we've got public works that deals with the illegal dumping part of it and then we've got solid waste that helps to manage your residential waste which is very different from a pan of can a can of 
paint. Yes. Uh, depending on what type of paint it is, um, then that is considered household hazardous waste. That's Shelby County. You know, mm-hmm. so there is an intersection of different agencies and departments. And um, so we're we're Innovate is helping us to try to understand just the mindset of how do we get here? And I think that speaks to the root cause of what kind of solution would make sense for uh, the public at large. Well, and I don't know if Innovate Memphis had anything to do with it, but I love the City of Memphis curbside collection app. Yeah. I check it every Sunday to see what I need to put on my curb. So that is, it's really that helpful. Is all these guys okay. in the city, yeah. And there's also um, a really fun online game if you want to figure out how like Ooh. where different kinds of waste go. So if you go to the solid waste page, uh, you will see it on I think the landing page there, and um, your kids can play it too. It's got nice click and drag features. <laughs> that's amazing. How, yeah, when you can create son... your own community. Okay. You know, the the more you get right answers, then you can create a Ferris wheel, and or you can have a, a water a lake on your property. It just is a it's a cool tool to understand like what's recycled. So that's uh, that's what Anna and I will be doing the rest of the afternoon. There's your call to action, dear listener. Who needs anything else? Go play the game. Figure out where your waste goes. That's that's (laughs) hilarious, and I love it. I learned some things. I definitely have violated some guidelines. I was about to say, does it have like a big red X when you drag it to the wrong thing? You will get an X. I'm so sorry, (laughs) but you get to try again, right? But we don't grade your paper. You won't won't get a failing grade. It's not punitive, like you said. It's not. It's not. You still build your community. Yes, it's it's in the spirit of collaboration yes um so i feel like i have some answers to this next question but i'm curious each of your opinion um can you share what you believe the intersection of the innovate memphis mission and new memphis's mission is so new memphis's mission is all about developing activating and retaining talent to the city of memphis yeah i think that um you know, people really knew how much the city has done and, and our team, but also our partners to really just try out innovative new things, have that willingness and also see real tangible improvements. And I think there's a lot we can really hang our hats on over the, the past decade plus um, that's happened here. Yeah, that fosters civic pride and that makes people want to stay here and it makes new people want to come here. And I think that's all about how you attract and retain talent. Um, Because I remember when I went off to grad school and all of a sudden there were things like the downtown farmer's market opening and the Levitt Shell and the Green Lines and all of those kinds of things. And then hearing about the mayor's innovation delivery team being formed, um, all that was so exciting. And so where I thought I might end up in, you know, D.C. and do the federal policy work for a while, it just drew me very quickly back to, you know, wow, there's so many exciting things happening and I want to be a part of that. So, you know, I think that's something that we all share and know leads to better outcomes for our city. Um, I think some of the specific things that we work on that hopefully help with that are some of those economic development and public space types of work that that we've done, like MemFix and MemShop and um, also Civic Commons that I think you mentioned earlier. And so that's, you know, where we're partnering with a lot of park organizations and park advocacy groups and the parks uh, office actually too with the city and so that's you know making all kinds of tangible physical improvements to parks and making them more interactive and having programming that helps connect people I think the really big idea there and something that Carol Coletta at uh, Memphis the River Parks Partnership would uh, be speaking about here if she was in my seat is just having that that mixing of just 
you know, us really getting to know each other and not being strangers and feeling more connected to our fellow Memphian. Um, so those are ways that I think we try to, to make this a really exciting place to live and something where people feel at home and happy and safe and, and really engaged. Um, and then the other thing that's, you know, a little on the horizon still, but um, I think everybody should hopefully start getting excited about soon is just some of our transportation upgrades. Um, so both the city and the county have approved additional funding to go to MATA um, to fund Transit Vision 3.0. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Yay! Innovate Memphis had a, a heavy hand in helping research and develop. And so we also know that that for workforce development and talent is really important that the more access people can get to jobs and, um, you know, all over town and stimulate the economy in different sectors is going to have a huge impact. Huge, and I, I yeah. think, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll get to start seeing the, the fruits of that labor um, pretty soon, I believe. Yay, that's exciting. Very. I I couldn't have said it better. I mean, um, I think she (laughs) summed it up quite nicely, actually. Um, The only thing I would add is just that I think uh, a lot of that innovation that is happening with city government, I think, sparks innovation in the business community Mm -hmm. as well. As they see us being creative and innovative, um, I think they uh, trust us more. They feel like they are in an environment where they can do some new and interesting things and um, they will be like totally supportive. In, in that effort. I know we've had a, a few business in, incubators um, that we um, have uh, used over uh, in, in times past and that we continue to use. And um, so all of that working together, I think is very attractive to um, uh, residents and to visitors and new residents to come and stay and enjoy all of the things that Memphis has to offer. I would agree. And one of those, again, with the... Uh, the Civic Commons is Cossett Library, right? Yes. Ah, I love it. I always love to talk about Cossett Library. It makes me very happy. If you haven't been, <laughs> you need to go. Yes. It is really, it is your really loss, cool. dear listener. You need to be, you need to go. It's to Michael. It's, at, it's yeah, not your yeah. grandma's Cossett yeah. Library. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of those other places, like you said, where people can, you know, mix and mingle, just like you said, Carol would have said, if she's in yep. the seat, you know, where everybody can feed off of one another and all that cross pollination of like that magic that Memphis has it makes it really sticky and exciting. Um, is there... If you could tell the listener one thing about Innovate Memphis, what would it be? I think what I would say is, um, you know, join us. Um, If you've got great ideas and you believe in this work, you know, something that's definitely coming up for our city is we've got a big mayoral election in the fall. And, you know, I think... It's really important for us together, you know, with our city government partners to keep continuing this work. I think there's a lot of really good evidence of success and there's plenty left to do. And there always will be um, because, you know, we we live on a planet and we're people. So there's always going to be new, uh, exciting challenges to tackle. Um, So that's, I think, more than anything else is if if you're excited listening to this, um, you know, we have a, a rigorous process to it and a great track record. And we really focus a lot on delivering and not just designing. Um, so I just I have admired this team from afar for a really long time, but I love being part of it. But yeah, you know, we wouldn't be where we were without great partnerships and people. And so if, if you have an organization or a cause you're interested in, um, we're always happy to hear from you. Uh, info at InnovateMemphis.com is our email if you want to get in touch that way. But you can also follow us on our social media channels. We've got Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and then our transportation also has commute options. So if you are a transportation wonk, uh, look up commute commute options. There's a lot of really neat information there too. 
Great. Um, Shandell, I'm curious what you would say to a listener to what do you think is the biggest misconception about either the city of Memphis and or um, Innovate Memphis's work? And then what might be the greatest compliment that you've had for this work? Um, the biggest misconception, uh, I would say, is uh, that government doesn't innovate. You know, um, I think people uh, remember a time maybe um, where uh, that it was the impression that 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 they received from from whatever for whatever reason. Um, we have so many different projects that we're working on. We have over eight thousand employees, and we work on. Um, there's a, a a daily basis of things that we work on. That things that we uh, continue to do, like we make sure your toilets flush. We make sure that when you pick up the phone and and call uh, for help, um, that there is a nine one one operator that's there answering the phone. But then we also have these very uh, new and interesting things that we're working on and we announce them uh, to the public. And um, because we want uh, for everyone to understand what is really going on in the city, but it doesn't mean that we're not still doing the the regular work. Sometimes I hear um, that kind of commentary that, um, you know, because there's a focus on development or there's a story about this new innovation that the, the regular work of fighting crime and um, of your sort of standard city core services uh, may be waning. And that's just absolutely uh, not the, the truth of the matter. We have many things that we uh, do on a, a daily basis and innovation is just one of them. Um, also, I would say that for Innovate Memphis, um, I think that people may not be aware. I would love for their story to be out more and uh, be more visible because they can add so much capacity to your your nonprofit or your government. Um, uh, and in, in adding capacity, um, they will create a space for you to take your organization to the next level and to like just come up with something that maybe you dreamed about or an idea that you maybe had in the back of your mind that, oh man, I wish it was nice. It would be nice to get this or that done, but I don't have the time for it. Um, they're they're ready and able to uh, staff up or support you to get that kind of um, effort completed um, and completed with um, with excellence. Really, I, I have to say that um, whatever they have <laughs> been involved in, they have gotten great outcomes. I, I, I just uh, know them to be an organization that um, is is willing to jump in and just make progress wherever they can. Well, thanks for it. your kind words. I know, I love <laughs> it. So I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit and have each of you talk about your New Memphis experience. Either, um, so Shandell, you were in LDI, but you're also a board member. Mm-hmm. And Jessica, you went through the fellows program, as did Laura Beth. I'm an Embark alum. Um, so I was just curious, you spoke to some of the things that you use kind of daily in reminding yourself that, you know, lean into your strengths and understand that you can ask for help when you need it. You don't have to do it all yourself. Um, but I'm curious what else you would say to somebody else who is in that time in their career that they could either benefit from fellows, um, so they should look into it, or the thing that you tell other people about, about the fellows experience. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I n- could never think of any even remotely like mediocre uh, training that I ever went through as a fellow. I think they were all really excellent and varied, and um, you yeah, know, frankly, helped me grow up a bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I can uh, share that um, when I first started working at the, the school district, some of my teammates called me Cherry Bomb, um, which I think is great. I love the Runaways, you know. I love Joan Jett. I was good with that, but they they didn't always mean it in a nice way. They meant like you kind of get impatient sometimes, and you you know get a little sarcastic, and it's like not fun to be around. And so, so going through fellows, you know, we got three sixty feedback, and I, I heard that loud and clear. Um, and but I also just learned better strategies for you know, self-management and self-awareness and um, how important all of those things are to relationship building and culture building, because that's how you're ultimately going to be effective. And I think that's something that really translates into how Innovate Memphis operates now and always has, is that the people matter, the relationships, the understanding the different perspectives of your constituents and who you're, you're trying to serve, uh, because you can dream up something really nice that you think you were the smartest person and it was the greatest idea. But if it does not have that buy-in and people didn't um, really get included in an authentic way in the design, then like it will fail or it will not be nearly as good as it could have been. And I think those are things that I took away a lot. And also good friendships. I would plug for anybody that's you know, out of formal schooling, it's harder and harder the older you get as an it adult does. to make friends anymore, <laughs> you know. And so yeah. especially I know for people that were kind of newer to Memphis that joined, it was a way for them to have roots. And for me, it was a way to expand my friendship network. And in fact, um, one of my very best friends who I met there um, were now godparents to her children. So <gasps> you can have that kind of uh, great friendship come out of it. So I'm going to need goodness. that testimonial later. Yeah. I'm actually going to help with our fundraising efforts. Board. Yeah, for you to just... <laughs> Have you and your godchild? Yeah, Mina and Talia, shout out! I love it. That I is precious. It. I think that that's great. That is so cute. I love that. Um, we've heard of weddings. I have not heard of um, a godparent yet. So yes, I love it. So yeah. Shandell, what about LDI? We just ha- celebrated 25th anniversary last year, yes. so it was a big year to big be an LDI year. alum and a board member. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. LDI was um, was amazing. Just if I can just take you to a place. Just imagine as a leader. You take three days away from work and you focus intensely on who you are as a leader. And then you focus intensely on how other leaders think. And there are all these other leaders in the room with all of these different characteristics and personalities and um, ways that they operate. And you get to think about yourself and understand who you are, but then also to understand how others think and how others approach problems and how uh, beautiful it is to have that diversity of thought and how to cultivate it as a part of your organization. That's what I took away um, from LDI. It was an eye-opening experience uh, just to just to uh, learn about myself in 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 a different way or or as a leader in what made sort of made me tick things that I'd never really thought about that um made me uh who I am and how to navigate past that when you are encountered with people who have a different way of approaching things and so now um I can identify, okay, oh, so I understand that you are a leader who needs a little bit of control and I can um, 
I can uh, speak a little bit to that part of you in uh, maybe assigning a project or how I am uh, working, navigating through um, the team dynamic with that type of personality. So it was very eye opening. It was um, enlightening. And I, I think it changed me uh, for the better and, and helped me to be a better, a better leader. But really, just to understand um, others and look at things through a different lens than just my own lens, which was the greatest benefit. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, So one final question that we like to ask all of our uh, guests is, what does being a Memphian mean to you? So um, uh, Memphis means a city of good abode. And I believe that... um, that is exactly what Memphis is. There um, are so many great people here and uh, people who just want to uh, be just good, welcoming, soulful people. It's, it's in our food. It's in our music. It's just all around us. And um, I believe that I, I am a part of that type of warmth. Um, it, it is not just being Southern, you know, that there's that um, belief that people in the South, you know, they're just naturally warmer. I just really believe Memphians are, um, they are just warm people. They are uh, people who uh, love to connect and just uh, love to um, create uh, great experiences, really. And I feel like I'm a part of that. I feel like that's that's what drives me too. I love all of those things. And so being here is just um just fantastic. Like a warm hug. I love it. Like a warm hug. That's <laughs> a great way to say it. It's like a warm hug. City of good abode. It is. No, I at warmth you hit it on the head because I I think that it's this is the kind of place where you really can talk to a stranger, use a Memphian for you know, two or three hours and you might never see each other again, but it's just like the nicest conversation you will have. And, um, I think there's something about that. That's kind of like a comfort and trust that's unspoken in a way. Um, and I think it's a, a city where there's a ton of people that are motivated to do good. Um, you know, I, I could joke about some of our sister cities and how they're a little more networky and a little more about climbing. And uh, <laughs> but I'm not gonna name names, uh, no, but I, I think that here, you know, we really do take people at face value, and um, you know, we're we're pretty open about what we think could improve and how we could do it, and we're motivated by that. And um, I just think there's uh, really exciting leadership all around the city. Um, formal and informal, right? Um, you don't have to have a job title to, to have that kind of ethos to you. Um, so that, that's something that I think is one of our biggest assets and, and something that I'm really excited to keep being a part of. Love it. Um, a couple of quick rapid fire round robin questions for you. What is your favorite innovation of the last year in Memphis? Ooh, well, I'm I'm gonna say uh, EMS healthcare navigator. Um, that's now fully in the the emergency response service. But Innovate started with it, and actually, they got one of our staff members who's now full time doing that work. Okay, awesome. It was something that um, was not necessarily in our wheelhouse, but um, our COVID response I think was um, spectacular. We took on a lot of new things, and um, we were uh, very challenged as an organization. And I'm just proud of all the work that all of the um, employees did. We, we did 
things that weren't in our job descriptions. We worked in places that we had never worked before, and we all came together and uh, created a great response to um, the COVID pandemic. Favorite place to eat? All right. Well, I'm going to go barbecue specific and say Cozy Corner. Okay. It's so many to choose from. What's the first one that popped I in your mind? I love Miss Peggy's. Um, Peggy's Heavenly Home Cooking. Okay. Um, yeah, she's okay. awesome. Grizzlies, Tigers, Redbirds, or 901 FC? Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Okay. The project you're most excited about for the rest of 2023 that you can share? Ooh. <laughs> that you have the, <laughs> that you are allowed to share with the listeners? Sure. Um, I'm going to say our civic data hub we are starting to develop. Okay. I'm most excited about Accelerate Memphis. Um, that is where um, we are investing $200 million in our parks, our neighborhoods, and communities. I'm really excited about that project. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you all so much. This has been so fun to hear more about Innovate Memphis, all the work that y'all are doing, the partnership with the city. And for anyone who is um, has a lazy notion of what our city does and thinks that they are not innovative, you are sorely mistaken. And this has been a wonderful episode to prove just that. So it has been enlightening for me, and it was a pleasure to chat with each of you today. So thank you very much for making time and your very busy schedules to join us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All righty. Bye. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.